If you have a Bible, you can take it and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2, not surprisingly. Um, As I mentioned in an email, I know the kids are going to stick with us, and I will be mindful of that uh, with uh, what we look at this this afternoon. But Luke, chapter 2, and I just want to begin by reading these familiar words, uh, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. When it comes to the birth of Jesus in the Scriptures, Mark and John are silent as far as the details surrounding Mary and Joseph and everything that happened in Bethlehem. Uh, Matthew centers on Joseph's actions in particular, um, and especially what occurred immediately following Jesus' birth. It's his account where we uh, learn about the Magi that came to visit Christ. But it's this passage in the Gospel of Luke, uh, and even Luke chapter 1, that we return to over and over again on Christmas. It's it's what we will probably read tomorrow morning um, with our families. It's what we read last week when we had our Christmas party together. It's what we just read, obviously, because it's Christmas Eve. It's what Linus reads uh, when Charlie Brown says, what's Christmas all about? It's a beautiful story, isn't it? It has all the great elements of a good story, astonishment and surprise and and wonder and great characters. Um, It's a very human story. It helps us, I think, to see the deep realism of the incarnation of Jesus. 
it's also very familiar to us. Uh, even those who are very young know this story very well. But somehow, at least in my opinion, it's never really a boring story to read. We always pause and listen to its words every time. We sense sort of the miracle that is in that small 20-verse passage of Scripture. And so I want to think about part of this story, uh, namely the announcement of the heavenly hosts, the words that the angels said, or maybe they sang, we don't really know. Um, but what did they say on that first, uh, they, they, they proclaim into the dark on the first Christmas they say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is blessed. He is pleased. Peace on earth. That's what I want us to think about. Just that one little phrase, peace on earth. It's one of the great promises of Christmas. I saw it in the yard of a neighbor. He had three wooden angels, and each of them were holding a word, peace on earth. It's in the prophecy of Isaiah that we've been thinking about. The, the coming one would be the prince of peace. He would be the, the king of peace. The one who would finally provide our world with true rest and true tranquility. And the angels proclaim that peace on earth has arrived. And it's arrived in the form of a baby. How we need peace in our lives. This is... Um, something that we all know, we need peace from violence, peace from disaster, peace from fear, peace from wildfires in California, peace from mudslides in the Philippines, peace in our homes, peace in our hearts. And this one who is coming is proclaimed to be the king of peace, the one who would bring true peace to all the war-torn, broken parts of our lives and of our world. How is Jesus the Prince of Peace? How does the coming of the Messiah on Christmas mark the beginning of the reign of Jesus as the King of Peace? Well, in answering that question, I think the first thing we need to do is to be very honest and begin by saying Jesus does not bring peace. I'm not just saying that to be provocative. Hopefully you'll see that actually Jesus himself says that. Jesus does not bring peace. Can you imagine an angel showing up in your bedroom like, like Mary had or Zechariah saw in the temple? I don't know how you imagine it would go, but in Luke 1, these are not very comforting experiences uh, for Mary and for Zechariah. They're actually downright scary. They're marked by fear. They are confusing. They bring calls to difficult tasks. Zechariah's encounter with the angel, you remember, leads to him being silent for almost a year. And Mary is called to the difficult task of being an unmarried pregnant woman in a society that would have met her probably just with judgment. The coming of Jesus turned their worlds upside down. And the difficulty doesn't stop there. We look in, in Luke chapter 2 as Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple. And Simeon says something, particularly to Mary. He says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon rightly warns that painful, soul-piercing days are coming. Mary's very soul is going to be run through with a sword, as it were. That doesn't sound like peace 
to me. The angelic announcement to Matthew or to, to Joseph in Matthew 1 doesn't make Joseph's life simple and peaceful either. He thought he could quietly divorce Mary, and instead he's called to bear her shame alongside her, which he willingly and nobly does. But, but even after Jesus is born, peace is not what flows from him. Rather, we find the threat of this infant king leads Herod to massacre all the children to and under in the region of Bethlehem, and Joseph has to run all over the place, all the way down to Egypt, to protect Jesus. This is not peace that's showing up with Jesus. Those early days of Jesus didn't bring, seem to bring at least this, this promised peace, but what about Jesus' ministry years? Wouldn't those bring peace? He certainly didn't think so. This is what he says. This is what Jesus himself says in Luke 12, 51 through 53. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? To which we all say, yes, we do, because that's what the angels told us you were doing. You're bringing peace on earth. But what's he say? No, I tell you rather division. For from now on in one house, there will be five divided against three, five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus divides us at our most basic human relationships because he calls us to place him above them all. Of course, division isn't always the result of Jesus showing up in our lives, but this is certainly a, a reality for many. Even after Christ left from the book of Acts to the present day, history shows us that Jesus and what people believe or do not believe about him causes division in our world. Some of the greatest wars in the history of the world are religious wars. Jesus doesn't seem to bring peace. But I think the reason that Jesus does not bring peace is because his kingdom of righteousness and holiness is breaking into a sinful world. The lack of peace is not from Jesus, but rather, we might say, because of him. Because he is exposing the sin of the world and he's calling people to to follow after him completely, turning their back on everything else, and that's, that causes division. So the manger is not some sort of quiet, soft symbol. It's actually this sharp sword that divides the world into two. Those who would turn from sin and trust in Jesus as God in the flesh, who lived and died and rose again, who offers salvation to all who would repent and believe. And on the other side, those who would stay in the darkness and deny that Jesus is the Savior that he claimed to be. The result of that division should not be anger and violence like we have seen in our world, and is often the case, but we would be fools to say that that to deny the fact that there is a great divide that happens when Jesus breaks into our world and into our lives. So did Jesus come to bring peace on earth? Even he himself says in one sense, no. But there is also, of course, this sense in which if we would bow before King Jesus, then we find that he does bring peace. That Jesus, in fact, is the only source of true peace in our lives and in the world. Jesus does bring peace. Let me give you four ways that he does. 
Jesus brings peace in the fact that he has made peace with God possible. He has made peace with God possible. The unrest and the pain and the evil in our world is the result, of course, of sin, which has marred God's good world. All of God's ways are ways of life and peace and joy, but our sin has not only caused brokenness, it's also caused separation between us and God. We are God's enemies. But the coming of Jesus is one of the great high points in God's plan to rescue and restore his children. Jesus comes to those who have rebelled against God, those who are at war with him, and he makes peace. Hear these words of Colossians 1, 19 and 20. They say that Jesus, that of Jesus, in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's the incarnation, isn't it? In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the redemption that the incarnation makes possible. Through the cross, Jesus becomes our substitute, taking the wrath of God against our sin upon himself so that all who would trust in the work of Jesus are justified. That's why Romans 5.1 says, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. How do we have it? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to have peace with God is through Jesus. This is what the angels proclaim. Jesus came to make peace with God possible and he has done it through the cross. So, Jesus brings peace. He's made peace with God possible, but also he has made peace amongst all people possible. He has made it possible for us to be at peace with one another. My generation, I thought, was supposed to be the one that eliminated racism. (laughs) At least that's what I thought. Maybe I was naive as a young person, but I was convinced that we were growing up in such a way that there would be no prejudice. We understood the mistakes of our forefathers. But division based on a person's skin color or their ethnicity or their country of origin is still alive and well. And not just in the United States and not just around the world, but in your heart and in my heart. We all have the seeds of division amongst one another in our hearts and some of us have deep roots of that. But Jesus comes to preach peace, and not just peace with God, but peace also amongst all people. The division, if you think back to the ancient world, between Jew and Gentile was as strong as any division that we know today, which is why the New Testament has to talk so much about the struggle that came about when the gospel goes to the Gentiles, and it seems that everyone can come to faith in God, and everyone becomes a part of this new humanity. Jesus causes division. He causes division when he speaks to the Samaritan woman and and to others. But in doing that, he is bringing unity, a unity that no one had ever seen before. So Paul says in Ephesians 2.13 and following, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, one, And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death 
their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus unites Jew and Gentile. Jesus unites all people by uniting us to himself through faith. The way that we have peace with all others is by finding our union in Christ. In Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. All are one in Him. As we look at our world and see division amongst people, we know that the only hope for peace between all peoples in the world is that we would be united to Christ. He makes peace amongst all peoples. And He has made us peacemakers. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. What marks us as children of God? We are people who make peace with others. We are to proclaim peace with God, and we are to proclaim and model peace with all people, knowing that, it is, that it's only as we're united to Christ that we can truly be at peace with one another. The only way to have peace with others is through Christ. And his coming has made that possible. Jesus brings peace, peace with God, peace with all people, Third, he's made peace in all of life possible. He's made peace in our lives, in every part of our lives possible. The peace that Jesus brings comes very near to each of us because Jesus brings peace to our hearts and to our souls. In John 14, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he is soon going to leave, but he assures them that he is going to return, and he assures them that the Holy Spirit will come as a comforter, and as the one who will guide them into all truth. And he also says, speaking about the Spirit, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here's what the New Living Translation says of that verse. It says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Let me remind you today, Christmas Eve, children of God, through faith in Jesus, that you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the abiding presence of God within you. He came and He ascended and He sent the Spirit to always be with us until He comes. And the the presence of the Spirit brings peace in any circumstance that we face. In anything, we can trust the Father's love for us. We can trust His wisdom at work in the world, His sovereign control over all things. His peace is a gift that's made possible through His coming, through His living, through His dying, through His rising again. He gives it to us. He gives us the Spirit that brings peace. Peace in our hearts. Is that possible? The only way to have peace in trials, the only way to have peace even in the face of death itself, is through Christ. We celebrate at Christmas all the peace that Jesus has made available to us through faith in him. And so I would invite you to remember the gift of peace that Jesus brings in these coming days. But also in the midst of that, we're filled with this deep longing for the forever peace that Jesus will bring at his return. That's the hope that we have, that Jesus has promised to bring final peace to the world. Jesus has promised to bring a final peace. The season of Advent is a season of remembering. We're called to remember Christ's first coming as the Messiah, but also to remember the fact that we are still waiting 
for him to come again, for him to return as our Savior and as our King and as our Prince of Peace. So here's a reality check for everyone. Your Christmas celebration will not be perfect, neither tonight nor tomorrow nor ever. (laughs) Hallmark movies are a lie. Uh, Something is going to burn in the oven. Uh, Someone is going to make you mad. You are going to make someone mad. Uh, That gift that you bought is not going to fit the person that you bought it for, or else they already have it. Um, You know, we all want so badly for Christmas to be perfect, full of some sort of perfect peace. Not just because that's what Hallmark tells us we want, but because that's what we're made for. That's what God has made us for. We will taste peace tomorrow. We will have a a glimpse of it. Maybe we even taste it now in this gathering. I always love Christmas Eve service in particular. Maybe we'll sense it, you know, when we all light these candles. That's a sweet gift. I think that's a gift of the holidays is to have this glimpse of peace. But then the wax is going to drip and burn your hand. (laughs) Or you're going to try to sing, like me, Silent Night, and not hit all the notes. And when that happens, whether in this service or tomorrow, whatever it is that happens, just remember that we are tasting peace now, but that we are waiting for the true kingdom. And we are waiting for the peace that is to ultimately come. In fact, it's not just us. All of creation is waiting for that. Romans 8 says that creation itself is groaning in expectation for the final appearing of Christ. We were reading a book that we got about Christmas, and it said that there's a legend that says at midnight on Christmas, domestic animals will kneel for a few moments if no one is watching. (laughs) And there's a story Uh, throughout Europe of animals dancing for joy on Christmas Eve. Now, I'm a skeptic on things like that. (laughs) But who knows? In fact, in some way, wouldn't that be a foreshadowing of what is to come in the new kingdom? What Jesus has brought into the world in part and what is coming? Isaiah 11, 6 through 9 says this, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Why? For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We taste peace now. The kingdom is here. It has broken in. Peace has come in the person of Jesus Christ. But peace is not fully here. And so we long for the day that it will be. We wait with with eager expectation for the coming of the king and the peace that he will bring. And until then, we rejoice. We rejoice that we have peace with God. We rejoice that we taste peace with one another. And we seek to be peacemakers. We look to Jesus in the midst of trials and know that, that he can bring peace in our souls in a way that, that no, nothing else can. And we also look for this day. We long for the day when Jesus does come to be the Prince of Peace.
And in all of this we say, along with the angels, what's the other part of what they say? Glory to God in the highest. Because any peace that we have known in the past, any peace that we might know in the present, and any peace that we will know in the future is because of God's kindness to us, seen especially in the sending of Jesus. So we're going to light this final Advent candle. And in doing that, we say that Jesus is the source of all peace. He is the source of all light. He is the source of all goodness and all joy. We say that Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus is the giver of peace. And then we're going to all take these. We're going to take these small candles. If you didn't get one, we can make sure that you have one. And as we light these, we are saying, Jesus, you are the source of all peace. We will, we're going to hold them. And maybe as you hold it, you can think a few things. Maybe we can say, make me a, a peacemaker who announces peace with God through Jesus and peace with others through faith. Maybe we stare at our particular flame and are reminded that Jesus has come to bring peace into our own hearts. And maybe we look around and see all the other lights and think about the fact that one day the light of Christ will fill the earth, not like one small candle or five small candles or even 50 small candles, but with the brightness of a thousand suns, Jesus will fill the earth. And so we say, as we hold our candles, come Lord Jesus, bring peace on earth. I'll light this candle and we'll slowly pass the light around. And as we do that, um, we'll sing, O Holy Night. And we'll immediately follow that by singing Silent Night. And then I will uh, close us with a benediction. Um, but if you would, why don't we stand together and we'll, uh, we'll sing together and pass around this this light Jesus says in John 8 I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life and in 2 Thessalonians 3:16 hear these words of benediction now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. Merry Christmas. The Lord be with you all.